On this episode of the news, Wendy talks about the newest craft beer brewer after their purchase of former ABI ownership breweries. Dan goes over medal winners, and we talk about the importance of a medal. And Dennis talks about the trends changed by generations as they enter the emerging world of NA beverages. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's better on draft. We are live, the craft beer news segment of Better on Draft Podcast. It is October 6, 2023. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it. If you are not joining us live, join us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, all at Better on Draft. You can join us live starting 7.15 p.m. Eastern. Uh, let's go around and see what everybody is drinking, starting with Dennis. Dennis, what do you got? I am drinking another gift. Uh, it's called the Matsurika. It is a Bohemian style pilsner with jasmine flowers, and it, it is by a Brazilian a Brazilian brewery, uh, uh, Japaz Serfaharia. Never had it before. It's fantastic. Sure tell our uh, our Brazilian friend Linus from Three Gatos. Uh, yeah. to tell you how to pronounce that correctly please do wendy what do you got over there so i took inspiration from our last news segment when we talked about aldi beer and when i was grocery <laughs> shopping this week i picked up a festlick house Oktoberfest. Um, it is actually made by rockwell brewing company which is a subsidiary of genesee in rochester new york um, it's fast beer is not my favorite style, so I'm just going to leave it at that. It's not bad by any means. And it's seven 99 for a six pack. So Dan, what do you got over there? I am drinking a Beechwood brewing mocha machine, man. You just had me laughing about the Aldi beers with the obvious <laughs> ripoff labels too. Those were <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Well, for myself, I'm going to be finishing this milkshake stout from Rochester Mills and then moving over to another. Well, the brewery isn't dead, but the beer is dead. Uh, Sanders chocolate stout. Oh, uh, such a good beer. Yeah. (laughs) I had to make that again. (laughs) This was one of the beers that I had purchased for like a dollar a bottle at a uh, beer store because they had so many beers that were like out out of date. Um, and I don't know if I can find the date, if the date, it might be on the bottom of the bottle. You so probably don't want to. Just drink uh, it oh, and enjoy it. I mean, it's it just like the, the massacre that I purchased this for elf. Uh, it's probably 2016, 2017. Oh, <laughs> and it's just sitting on the shelf for seven years. Yeah. Think I mean, the first time I went out to old nation was to go and pick that one up. Uh, this this place does not have windows, so I at least knew it wasn't going to be. Uh, <laughs> this is a best one. <laughs> it's like a casino going into the beer store. Ken came out ten hours later, yeah. three hundred dollars later. After after haggling with the guy, yeah. <laughs> still, still my favorite. He's like, then why do you want to buy it? I said, I'm willing to take the chance at a dollar a bottle. <laughs> like if it so is bad, is if if Trotters, it's bad, uh, I gotta deal with it. Do you remember having it when it was fresh, though? Oh yeah, like because I remember it being fantastic when it was fresh. Yeah, it was a great beer. Um, the the bumpy cake is easily still one of my favorites between yeah, the, yeah. the two Sanders that they made. Oh, the I bumpy think I might cake still have those amazing. in my cellar. Uh, what was that, Wendy? I think I might still have bumpy cake in my cellar. I I traded a fan of Better on Draft for a final bottle of bumpy cake, and then I like drank it right away because I can't. I would have too. Stuff <laughs> Shit, Just right in front of him. You're like no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember going there, and it felt so weird because it was at his job, and he worked at a restaurant. And I'm like, all right, am I waiting for you to to get off or? what's going on he's like yeah here's your beer it was in the fridge there i'm like oh (laughs) nobody accidentally sold that even better like trade it and then pour it out on the ground in front of them you're like thanks trying to get rid of all these 
<laughs> like that scene from personal vendetta against the spear. Like the scene in Parks and Rec where he's like getting the, the fake bacon and just throwing it directly into the trash. Oh. That's amazing. Uh I I don't think I could do that. I rem- I still remember when Dakby first started, and I remember as a joke, one of the admins drank a BCBS poured uh, an Atwater vanilla Java Porter back into the bottle and recapped it. And then like on video, uncapped it and dumped it. And it pissed off so many people. Oh, I love that. I remember. I bet it pissed off the people that hate Anheuser-Busch too, but they line up to buy Bourbon County. Uh, I mean, probably a little bit of both. Cause I was trying to think it. I'm pretty sure Goose Island has always been owned by Anheuser-Busch mm-hmm. since we started this show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm saying the people that are like, I won't drink really? Anheuser-Busch beers, but then they go and get Bourbon County. I think they got bought in 2011. Was uh, my yeah, they, people. they got bought a while back ago. On. Yeah. Just so they'll send us beer again. <laughs> uh, oh, they sent us a great box, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think Matt still works there. Um, but I can. I could see what's going on. We. I would love to get an update on them. They. I. I loved how very upfront they were about everything too, because they talked about the infected beer. Um, yeah. They talked about the the field goal competition that they had. Um, yeah. When Cody Parker, I think, uh, did I just pull that name out of my ass? Cody Parker you- missed like a a thirty something yard yard field goal so they set it up behind the brewery and said anyone that can kicks this gets a free um six or a free six pack every day for life or something like that and everyone missed it i think in a damacon sue trying to kick a field goal and that's what you get listen I the math was there for Sued kicking that because he won some like contest between all the O line and D line where they didn't have to do like the last run of the day if you won the kicking contest. So the the theory was there, uh, even though we lost that game by that one uh, PAT. Yep. Um, let's let's go over the news, start chatting uh, about what's going mm. on within the world of craft beer. Uh, so I will, you know what? Let's start with Wendy. Wendy. Uh, you have a lot you wanted to talk about. What did you want to talk about today? So I actually have two articles that really, um, kind of sat with me. So, um, let's talk about Tilray, I think. So Tilray, the Tilray beer band or brand band, beer brand actually closed its acquisition of eight beer and beverage brands from Anheuser-Busch officially making them the fifth largest craft brewer in the country, holding 5% of the craft beer market share. They are the number one craft brewer in the Pacific Northwest, fourth in the Southeast, and fifth in the Northeast. Uh, What I found most interesting about this article uh, is that um, the response by 10 Barrel Brewing, who actually threw a banner over their balcony proclaiming that (laughs) they were now with less Anheuser-Busch, um, crushing cans and spraying beer in what I quote uh, is a jubilant display, a jubilant display. I guess that's where the quote should go. <laughs> uh, the press release final sign off even said, bye, Felicia. Now let's get back to business. So 10 Barrels Bring founder, he was the original founder, um, Chris Cox, who still manages the brand, said they were excited for 10 Barrel and our new partner, Tilray. Our team has always been focused on making the best beer and most importantly, having fun. 10 Barrel winning more equals more fun, more innovation, less PowerPoints, less Zoom calls. Let's go. Now, let's go as one of my favorite sayings. So I, I guess he kind of resonated with me there. Um, but because Tillery is a cannabis corporation, this puts 10 Barrel Brewing and the others acquired back into the craft beer status. So they're able to join all the craft beer organizations. They're able to take part in um, stuff in the industry again. Um, but there are some naysayers out there that remark that the change of ownership is not a big deal because they're just trading one massive owner for another. Um, some even went as far as to say it's strange that 10 barrel owners spent a decade defending their independent status, found new assets under Anheuser-Busch, but then they're now disparaging it. So I'm curious for your guys' opinion. Is it a big deal? Should it be a big deal 
And do you get the X from the group who told who sold Anheuser Busch making such a big deal about the sale? Um, does it change your opinion of this brewery? I guess I'm just interested in your take on this whole story. Hmm. I'll start I'll, I'll, because oh, go for oh, it, I'm sorry, Ken. So I live in a state that our biggest craft brewer is owned by Anheuser Busch. Um, the people, the naysayers, yeah, I get a bad feeling about those people because, you know, just like Goose Island, they're the ones lining up to get BCBS, even though they've been owned by Anheuser Bush forever. And way, way back in the day, even when it was uh, the original 14 episodes, uh, we had, was it Craft Beer Check or Craft Beer Checker? That that, that was show. that was an official, not an original. That yeah, was that okay, was yeah. in our studio and and um yeah that was that wasn't the good that was like episode Miss five Bliss. or six yeah, yeah it was yeah. not good morning wow yeah. what a save by the bell reference in twenty twenty three that wasn't the good morning Miss Bliss episodes all right Zach um, Morris continue <laughs> but but when he was on and God I forget his name but he said once you're not craft beer you can never go back to being craft beer again I personally think it's garbage. Um, 10 Barrels is a good brewery. They always put out solid beers, even though I don't like a lot of the styles they make. You know, stop ragging on these guys for making business decisions. These this, these are businesses where, you know, livelihoods are involved. And, you know, people have to think about what they do. They sell these assets off because, you know, they're in the business to make money. Stop giving them a hard time for doing so. Their beer doesn't change. It's just as good. So if you're out there ragging them, don't drink their beer then. Like, who cares? They probably don't care either. So I think they're absolutely craft beer. That that episode was January 2016. Oh boy, uh, craft beer check with Rudy mm. Jachan, J A H C H A N. It's probably pronounced something else. I have no idea. Uh, the app no longer exists. The app was a oh interesting app that allowed you to scan SKUs to see if a specific brewery had been bought by another brewery. So I believe that was like blue point, I think was one of the big ones at that time where a lot of people didn't know that ballast point, not, not ballast point, blue, blue point, ballast point, ballast point was bought by constellation, but this was before that even. Oh, Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Blue Point was one of the big ones that I remember the first time I ever understood what a craft beer under a major conglomerate was. Um, even though I understood what like Killian's was, like Blue Point, like Killian's, I just knew it was Coors. It just felt like it was Coors. Uh, but Blue Point, on the other hand, like there's no real mention of Anheuser Busch on the labels. That's what the the whole point of that craft beer check was for. If you look at this, uh, the what I'm showing you is all the beers that are back under Tilray. Like, I don't know too many people that are going to tell you that Shock Top is not craft anymore. Um, I, I think they have just such a weird uh, separation of of life versus all these other beers like Green Flash, Widmer, uh, Montauk, Alpine, like. I think shock top, a lot of people are going to say it, but again, you don't want to, you know, bite the hand that's feeding you like 10 barrels going to kiss ass to Anheuser-Busch because they're part of Anheuser-Busch and like, they're the ones that are paying for their, you know, um, what they probably didn't have before Anheuser-Busch bought them, their benefits, their health benefits, their 401k, their retirement. Um, And now Tilray can still probably offer that to them. Uh, as a, a major conglomerate, but let's, let's take a step back and look at, uh, Perrin. Do we call Perrin not craft right now? They're owned by monster monster fucking energy. Like, you know, that's, it, it doesn't, I, I just feel like it shouldn't it, 2016 Ken, you know, episode 10 Ken, um, probably would say something different but now it's just like eh, what does it matter like just enjoy what you drink drink what you enjoy um you know these breweries that are getting bought out like they're probably still happy as i said they're getting their benefits that they weren't getting you know, how many breweries give benefits yeah. to your point i was gonna say like if they're still able to take care of their employees if not better right like that's really what it's about they're the ones that make the beer that the ones that create the atmosphere that's all that it should be about. Yeah. Um, I, I, I quick Google search something around like, what was it? $300 million deal. 
or a transfer of several different brands, but that's, that's not chump change. That's, that's a lot of money. And I can't imagine what the owners of like 10 barrels must be feeling like, yes, we did it. We made it. So, well, you're, you're also going to realize that all of these places like Widmer's in the Pacific Northwest, I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. Oregon or Seattle. Now you can go make weed products and probably one of their facilities because you can go brew Widmore somewhere else if you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Alpine beer, they're probably in Colorado. Another one where you can go brew CBD type products. Like that's when, when two roots purchased Rochester mills, that that seemed like that was the initial writing on the wall. Like I was surprised they sold the business before selling the business to brew weed, like brew CBD products or not CBD THC products there. I, I just, I, I think this is just too good of a, a thing for Tilray. They have the money um, to do it. Why not? If someone offered me tens of millions of dollars for a business that I owned and worked hard on, and I knew that they were going to take care of my employees, I would have a hard time saying no. Yeah, that's you know, that's something we've talked about on this show. Like people, mm-hmm. we we always joke like everybody's got a price um, for these these bigger bigger breweries, but in reality, if you're taking care of your employees and you're protecting the brand. They don't care as long as everything's good. I'm sorry, Dan. No, so I'm looking at these brands. I'm glad you got that thought in first. You know, what, I wonder what the volume of these beers, like I see Red Hook ESB in there. When's the last time you had a Red Hook ESB? Or when's the last time you had a Shock Top? I know Shock Top's a good gateway one to get in there, but I'm curious about the performance of some of these beers that they picked up and if it was really worth it. I so I I went to that bowling alley when we remember how we talked about Shock Top was a bowling alley beer and then yep, we went to a, yeah I went to that bowling alley again this past weekend it was not there oh it was gone they got rid of it yeah did they have the pretzel wheat this time they they did not have any uh, any Shock Top beers there so I haven't thought of pretzel wheat in so long holy you don't, shit <laughs> you don't need it. it was a terrible beer no, you don't need to drink that or terrible. think about it. <laughs> it just had like a ratatouille moment, but like the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so I tend to agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, my thing is the naysayers that are like, oh, they're flip-flopping on this. If a business makes a decision that they think is going to be in the best interest of their business, and then they figure out that it's not actually in the best interest of their business, and they're able to switch ownership that will put them back on the right track, why would you not be happy for them? Like, it's still, it like, so we had, we've had different people, different opinions on the show. Um, Nuclearis, when they were on, said they chose not to sell to Anheuser-Busch because they didn't like the way things went with that company, with when they would take over. Mm-hmm understandable then we had goose island on and they explained to us all the differences that we thought they would be other differences like they'd be hiring new people and they'd be firing people but it was still the same people working there the difference was was that they got better benefits they got higher pay you know there were a lot of good things that came about it so why would we condemn a business for trying to make that decision that's best for their company and then being happy when it was reversed, if it was actually better for their company to reverse it. I guess that's my whole thing. Like, like Ken said, stop complaining and just drink the beer you like. 100%. I agree. That is true. That is true. I wonder if it could also be like an element of like gatekeeping, right? Uh, mm-hmm. people oh, feeling totally gatekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's that ownership of somebody else's stuff, but it's like, Oh, I knew them when they were only had like, you know, a three barrel system, stuff like that. Now they sold out, man. And uh, not to bring music back, but that's what people said about Metallica when they made a music video. Oh, they sold out, you know, <laughs> well, they're making money. So true. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure let's be honest. Anheuser-Busch hasn't made the best decisions when it comes to their brand lately, 
regardless of which side you're on of this whole fiasco that they've had where their sales are dropping, it's, it was a bad decision on on both sides. So I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to distance yourself from that. Yeah, that's fair. You can get Bud Light for like a penny these days when you bail in that rebate. So yeah, it's good to distance yourself and, you know, but don't get mad at people who also sold to them. You know, it's right. at the end of the day, it's about, you know, these people created this company. They're doing what's best for themselves and their employees. Don't get mad at them and be like, oh, I'm oh, not yeah, drinking that's your the drink. You liked it before. What changed with the beer? You're mad because of the ownership? Like, get out of here. So the the choices of, oh, I lost my uh, my, my presentation here. Um, the choices. Oh, I know, I know. I ruined everybody's life. Um, I was able to find the production numbers for 2020. Uh, and there are a handful of these breweries that are at 100 plus thousand, including some of the breweries under Craft Brew Alliance. Shock Top was at 170. Wicked Weed, which did not sell, is at 115. Um, Blue Point did 75K. Like a lot of these breweries are still making a, a decent chunk of beer. Which these are in- barrels? Uh, yeah, these are all barrels. Yep, that's a lot. That's a lot of beer that they're selling. Yeah, yeah. So, like the 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 top breweries, as you can see right here on it's it's Yingling, Boston, Sierra Nevada, and I mean you're getting into they're they're the number five, so they're going to be right above Gambrinus, so Trumer and Shiner, um, at number five. So they're they're somewhere around 500k. So they're they're producing 500k a year between all those brands. Yeah, they're up there. So people are drinking these beers. So contrary to why I said, <laughs> when was the last time you had a Red Hook ESB? So they're going to be doing well with these brands that they brought on. Yeah, I think Red Hook. Was it Costco? What was that? The only place I can ever get a Red Hook was Costco. So do they still sell them there? Yeah, I used to see Red Hook in like random grocery stores in northern Michigan. That was like yep. the the craft brand you could find. Yeah, I think Red Hook is under the Craft Brew Alliance, which is under the 640K. So there's there's more brands in that than just Red Hook. Mm. So yeah. Nope. So that was it. Okay. No, no, that it's a great point though, and and once again, you know, people get mad about this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't. I I think for me personally, and I'm just a dumb person. I just think like it doesn't really matter who owns what, as long as they're treating their people well, and then they're able to also take care of their families and contribute more, whatever. But that's the hippie in me, right? As they say, ethical consumption under capitalism is impossible, Dennis. <laughs> now you tell me. Yeah, now I'm having throwbacks to that Boulevard, Boulevard Brewing episode where I got called out for something I said a few weeks before. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The guy listened to the episode. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he was like, like, no, we actually care about this. Yeah. But go check that episode out. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, right uh, Adam Hall was a great guest at Boulevard Beer. But, Dan, you know what? You were at GABF. What's your article about? Yeah, so I didn't so much have an article. Uh, we talked about this a year ago. So I wanted to see where everyone's opinions are at now in 2023 versus 2022. So I linked to you guys the winners from this year where you can look up medals that everyone won from GABF. Now, Michigan had a terrible showing. There weren't many breweries there. There's only two medals that came out of Michigan. Um, the one that sticks in my mind is, Ken, you said a year ago that maybe these medals don't matter anymore. And I want to see everyone's opinion if winning a medal at GBF still does come down to mattering. So you can sort those by um, state and style, whichever you prefer. Um, I thought it was awesome. We apparently have a lockdown on the ESB and Goza in Arizona, which is kind of amazing to see. Um so we had a lot of medals come out of there, but Michigan had two come out, one of them being at Bells, which, you know, people are going to say Bells isn't the craft brewery anymore, just based on the last one. So I know I always start with you, Ken, but your, this, uh, your opinion from a year ago sticks out the most to me. I want to see what your opinion is here in 2023. So 
I I noticed this as I was updating our list of craft beer medal winners on our uh, website. And for me, the thing that I do not know, and this is uh, something that I would like to get a little bit further, but it's not necessarily how many beer medals did we win as much as how many beers did we invest? Um you know, did I'm, I'm guessing Jeremy over at Royal Oak Brewery invested the the Northern Kolsch into the the festival? Did it now not medal because are you uh, talking about for the competition? Yeah, for the because competition. Royal Oak wasn't there for the festival, so yeah, keep that in mind. The festival and for people who aren't aren't aware, uh, the festival and the competition are two separate things. Yes, yeah, so, so you don't for, have to be at the festival. I'm I'm pretty sure Royal Oak was not at the festival last year either. They were not. No, did they win a yeah. medal this year? I, yeah, last the, year I don't have the 2022 up. The the Northern Kolsch won, and I'm fairly certain that I saw Jeremy in Den. Not physically, but on Facebook, saw Jeremy in Denver this year. So he was probably um, there. So I'm they guessing if if they're going to do that, then they're going to try to. Um, defend their title and did you know three brand new Kolsch's come in or is this something like I I used to joke about the the tasting alliance or like the the New York beer competitions and stuff where everyone gets a medal um <laughs> but but in reality like do you want to state that like Royal Oak is no longer like one of the top Kolsch's in the country like that's how far they've dropped um, or do you want to like, let's, let's touch on the heartstrings of some of the craft beer nerds out there. Uh, is Roke a bronze winning IPA in your opinion? Um, because Livewire was a bronze winning IPA. Therefore it's one of the top, it was the third best IPA that year at 2016, I, I feel like two things, and, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, two things. One, I don't think Michigan shows up to this competition as well as they used to. Two, I don't think this competition matters as much as it used to either. Um, I think it is great for a tiny brewery. If you are uh, Royal Oak Brewery, a brew pub, you're not tiny. You do fill up your brewery every single day, but you're a small brewery compared to some of the other ones. Um, does that, you know, I can stake a medal to that beer i can stake a medal to that their alt beer i think won bronze the year before like yeah can they say that yes but for mm-hmm. your your big 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 dogs your your blue moon your bells your founders your x y and z like it it doesn't really do anything for them except for really you know pad stats um so, yes, it does great for small breweries. To be honest, this might be something where we need to do uh, maybe some money raising for uh, getting a cold truck to GABF to get some of these smaller breweries to bring their beer to these festivals that they think are really good because we serve some of the best fucking beer out there. Like Bobby English ESB, amazing. Wolverine Brewing, all their fucking lagers are so good. Their but, beers are all their beers are lagers, aren't they? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's I mean it, it's a very specific category. So I I again we do not I don't think we compete on a fair level against the Southwest because it costs a lot of money to enter, it costs a lot of money to get your beer out there. Um, and if you want your beer fresh and ready to go, like you gotta, you gotta get a a truck out there. You gotta get a cold truck and the guild used to send a cold truck every year. I don't think they do that now. I was going to say that there used to be a truck. We had people telling us, I think Brigham told us about it at one point that they would send a truck and put anybody's beer on there that wanted to go out. So if that's not a thing that does make it harder. Um, one thing before that, I'm going to throw it to you, Wendy, to see what your opinion is next. Um, I agree with you to some point, Ken. Um, a lot of these smaller breweries do chase us. Like, for example, we have one in Arizona that's been chasing medals there. They've got five or six. They got like three golds and three bronzes in a row. I think that does help sell it. But the one thing I wanted to point out, if you remember the 
a word presentation was happening in 2021 live. Um, and one of you would probably remember this too, while we were doing an episode and Ren House in Arizona won for like the hazy IPA, but something we pointed out, there were like 350 entries. Um, do you think that's just subjective at that point after tasting 350 entries where it really doesn't matter? And it's just kind of luck of the draw. Okay, that was yeah. sorry. I was just responding. Yeah, Wendy, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so is it is it really an accomplishment if you beat out 300? Because can you imagine tasting 350 AZ IPAs and I, being able to distinct, distinctly I, I, tell them apart? I, yeah, I, I got to I got to say one thing and then I'm going to pass it to Dennis. Is yep. it an accomplishment? 1000%. It is an accomplishment. Is your beer bad or worse because you did not get a medal? Absolutely not. That's a fair statement. Agreed. I agree with that hundred percent. Is it the same people tasting all 350 beers or is it like a panel of people that like, all right, you get this 30 and I'll get this 30 or whatever. So in insider baseball will state that uh, a table will get 10 beers mm-hmm. and then they'll potentially move two forward and keep eight back. Okay. And then a different table will get 10 different beers, move two forward, eight back. Um, now these numbers are arbitrary. It might be one forward, nine yeah. back, three forward, seven back, um, depending on how many beers there are in the competition. Mm-hmm. But there are like you only get a handful of beers. Everyone gets beers, so you might get like round one, seat one of the hazy IPAs, round mm-hmm. one, seat nine of the the next ten, and then round two, seat three, and you get some of you know some different beers so when you're trying to break down 300 beers it probably takes um 30 tables of 10 of three people so that's 90 people round one and then you know probably uh 30 people round two 10 people round Mm. three and three people round four got it it's a wild bracket then Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're you're at a table where the the person does not like hazies and they got the hazy because that's also a randomized (laughs) thing too. When when you're in this competition, you're getting random different beers. So you you might be going from when when I was at the World Expo beer judging competition, I got to sit down, I got to talk with all the judges. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a table that went from double IPA to like barrel aged beer to English Browns. And uh, like some whiplash um, for your taste buds. And the thing is, is they went from double, double IPA barrel age to like something like Belgian strong. And they're like, we need something lighter. And they like had to ask the, the judges of the, or the, the, the runners of the competition to give them something that's a lot lighter. Cause they just went through all these high ABV, high octane beers. So Wait, can I get a diet coke? Yeah, anything, <laughs> anything. Less. Now, Wendy, I'm curious in your opinion because you're going through the testing to be able to judge beers, or you were at least. I don't know if you still are. Um, how do you feel about this whole thing? Is it subjective? Are these actually the best beers that win? Just tell us your opinion about it. I think it one. It is totally subjective. Even though you're given a set of rules that you need to follow, and like even I like even beer styles that I don't like, I can taste it and tell you, yes, people who like that beer are going to like it. This is the way it's supposed to taste. But when you have 300 beers and you're going through, like Ken said, with a bunch of different groups, not everybody is tasting the same beer. So that first table of 10 might've liked those two, but the next table of 10 might've liked two of the other ones that they didn't send forward. So while yes, it is a huge accomplishment because you made it through all of those different rounds, you also have to know that you're it's not it's probably not that your beer is not as good as the other ones. It just didn't pass through those particular judges. It's like watching the voice. You know, they all have different opinions. They listen to the same song, but they all have different opinions of what they're listening to. That's that makes, a good point. Yeah. Dennis, what's your opinion on this? I'm curious as the new guy here. Well, I wasn't, I guess I've always wondered how they do the judging there, and that makes more sense, like, you know, a weird bracket style. 
uh, well, Ken said earlier, like, is it an accomplishment to get a, a medal? Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Is it, do you have a bad beer if it doesn't medal? Absolutely not. You are, it, 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 it could be luck at the draw. It could be like, you have a fantastic beer. There's something about this that really made it stand out compared to everyone else. That doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and also there's the context of just the enormity of a competition. Uh, it's, it's a completely subjective thing. That's my opinion. And the best beer is the one in your hand. That's a good point. One thing I wanted to point it out to real quick, if you looked at the hazy competition, shout out to the guys at Omega Yeast that we had on here. Ken, you can tell us the episode, but other than that, yeah, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about this. Feels like everyone's opinions did shift a little bit to where the medals do matter a little bit more, but they also don't matter. When previously, I feel like a year ago, I'd have to go back and look back where everyone was like, yeah, the medals don't matter. Who cares? I, I think we have a much more defined uh, commentary of what we mean by the medals don't matter. I think so. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Because I, I, I think... Like, go on, Wendy. I will tell you that I went to Sweetwater the first time I went to Atlanta, and... I had no idea what beer to pick and there was a very long line. So I was like, Hey, you just got this gold medal. Let me try that one. So that did make a decision as to what I was going to pick. I just picked the gold medal beer. It it wasn't even my style, but I'm like, if they said it was good, then it must be good. Right. Let me try it. It wasn't my style. I had to go back and get a different beer, but it was, I mean, it wasn't a bad beer at all by any means. I, uh, okay. This is anecdotal. Um, it's semi beer related, but it's award related. So my brother, uh, Mark, he works in the film industry over in Hollywood. He's a cinematographer out there. And, um, last year we were talking about movies and, uh, uh, but like, you know, everything everywhere all at once got best, the best picture, you know, got everything right. Um, and he's like, yeah, but was that an Oscar award winning movie? Like, I don't know. It seemed like everybody else liked it. He's like, but was it really an Oscar award winning movie? Like, it sure felt like it to me, but they ha- he has a different insight on that, and everyone's opinions are going to differ. And also, a lot of people saw that movie because it got an Oscar. So to your point, hey, yeah, you got you got a gold medal. I want to try that. In fact, I want to try four of it. So, I you you hit it on the head with the the movie industry. Not everyone is going to see some of the top movies out there because some of the top movies out there might be independent films that are a lot mm-hmm. smaller. Or honestly, some of the top movies might be a genre that does not get an Oscar, like a comedy or a horror. So there are times where that kind of hits where it doesn't necessarily mean you have a bad movie. It doesn't mean that the the movie that won isn't good. It just means that that's good to the people that made that decision at that time. Mm hmm. Good conversations. Yeah, are you saying Jigsaw or not? Or Saw Ten isn't going to win an Oscar? Absolutely uh, will. Uh, did, I did not see Saw Ten. I think I started watching Saw Nine because somebody said it's not as gore porn as it normally was, and then it started off with the dude who plays McMurray on uh, Letterkenny. Like, and I'm like, oh, this is not what you said. Oh, not Saw. It was Spiral. Oh, spiral. Yeah. Jigsaw and Spiral were the two between Jigsaw. Uh, I've never seen a too. Saw movie ever. Not one Her, of them. First one's really good. It's yeah. It's it's <laughs> a, definitely an adventure to watch the first one, and then after that, you don't need to watch anymore. I didn't realize that there were ten Saw movies until I saw a poster for Saw Ten. <laughs> it's all good like, oh. until Donny Osmond gets his head crushed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, or not Donny Osmond. Um, Marky Mark's brother. Donnie you know, Donny Wahlberg. For a long time, I thought that was him. I, that was I think that's Wahlberg. hilarious. They're the same person. <laughs> I have a one of those. Um, what do you call it when something changes, like the Berenstain Bears and the Berenstain Bears? Mandela. Effect. Yeah. So yep. Mandela effect. Like I remember when I was younger, I was a huge New Kids on the Block fan, and. Donny Osmond like said nasty, said not nice Don't, stuff about him. So I was like, I'm through with you, Donny Osmond. Oh, it's Donny Wahlberg. Or did Donny Osmond actually talk? You shit said Donny Osmond first, but I think it's funny yeah, that you brought a, that up. But I, I was like, up, I'm so, through with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm through with you. 
I can't find it anywhere on the internet that he ever said anything bad about him. Like he only says good things about him now. See, you you, you changed realities. You slid through to another one where that I doesn't know. exist. It's, no clip like, to reality. You know, there's 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 a reality where you know Kevin Smith wins an Oscar for Clerks Three. Like, yep, there is. <laughs> Better be. <laughs> uh, Dennis, what's your article for today? All right. Uh, so I, I did pick up a couple things that do ca- tend to go together and bit of a downer, but uh, also talk about the future. Once again, uh, Sam from Dogfish Head uh, talk about ongoing draft challenges, a generational problem, not a pandemic issue. Uh, it's no secret. You know, a lot of sales are down uh, since 2020, especially when it comes to breweries, even though they're reopening. So a couple bullet points from the article I found here. Uh, stalled draft beer sales, right? People are buying less on draft, even though it is better on draft. Uh, you know, people just aren't going out as much or buying as much even. Uh, sales of distributed draft beer have remained at the same levels reached in 2021, despite the reopening of on-premise locations following COVID-19 closures. Uh, there's a big decline in draft beer markets. And then the article goes on a bit. Uh, uh it, it kind of touches about Sam commenting that it's more of a generational in- issue, not pandemic, because a lot of younger people aren't drinking like, like you know, previous generations have. And there's a lot of studies, a lot of, a lot of people saying that, um, you know, health-related reasons, other reasons. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a social scientist. But, um, yeah, I just found this article very interesting. Uh, and they're talking about uh, a shift in consumer spending, right? Uh, pandemic-driven shifts in consumer spending, particularly towards off-premise consumption, may have a lasting impact on the beer industry. People are taking it home instead of chilling at these different bars and breweries. Um, so I guess I want to know, like, what do you guys think is going to happen? Like, is this going to be more like a leveling off kind of thing? Or are you going to see... Uh, like these big restaurants like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, 93% of their beer sales are draft and it has dropped significantly over there as well. Um, is the decline in draft beer sales a generational issue or what do you think is happening right now? I, I, there, there's one comment in there that I think is, is very important. And that is yeah. the advent of tall boys for craft mm. beer as well as regular beer. That is true. Yes. Yes. Here's here's the thing. And Dan, Dan, you're laughing, but I can't tell you the amount of times where I have now gone. And if I'm stopping like on the way home somewhere and I'm stopping at like a Speedway gas station and I'm buying a a tall boy of Labatt Blue for (laughs) $1.79. No, I agree with you. I I agree with that instead of going to the bar and drinking at the bar, like we have a, a membership to the local moose lodge, but we don't go there very often. Um, one, cause it's cheaper to drink at home, but two, like I don't have a, a affinity. Like we were, we were talking in our previous episode about places we have to go when we go like to a city, like a brewery. Mm-hmm. When I go to like the Troy area in Troy, Michigan, like I'm always going to the gathering place. Like that is probably the biggest thing that I will make sure to stop at if I'm in the area and I mm-hmm. have the time. Um, but now, like price wise, time wise, everything like that, like I'd rather come home, crack open a beer, play some slots on DraftKings on my app, phone app, and watch TV. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Good point, Ken. No, you're totally fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, so you brought up a good point, Ken. Now, I know you and I have kegerators, Dennis and Wendy. I don't know if you do, but. You know, having a keg at home makes it, it's really cost effective, um, especially if you want that beer that you have on tap. And even what you just mentioned about tall boys, Ken, um, even when I go to like the craft beer bar, you know, not a brewery that has the store and the bar, Mm -hmm. excuse me, you can grab a tall boy or a pine out of the fridge and take it into the bar. And it's even Mm -hmm. more cost effective to do that. So I can get a pine of something on draft or say, seven or eight bucks i can grab a pint of old rasputin for 450 mm-hmm. so you know maybe that is kind of killing craft beer too we've talked about it before um these millennials and whatever gen z's called if they have their own word you know they're not drinking as much beer they're going to these rtds they're going to seltzers 
they're going to non-alcoholic options. It really almost feels like beer and especially craft beer is like a Gen X and above thing right now with a lot Mm -hmm. fewer uh, of these newer generations really drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Wendy, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it too. Cause I mean, uh, there, there's a generational divide there. There absolutely is. And there's probably more of an economic divide more so than anything to be completely honest with to, to Dan's points. A lot easier to just grab a, grab a beer from the fridge and then take it home. So what are your thoughts on like, you know, decline in draft beer sales? Well, so when I picked out the beer for today's show, the Aldi beer, yeah. um, I thought about it because I am a huge proponent of drink local. I want to promote Michigan beer as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that there are times when you can't afford to buy, spend $10.99 on a four pack mm-hmm. when you can spend $7.99 on a six pack. Mm-hmm. And it's the same ABV. It's mm-hmm. again, it's not a bad beer. Like you have to make choices sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, I, I get the economic divide. I wonder though, sometimes like Dan, you mentioned that's a, with the Gen X and above thing, a lot of my Gen X friends who are craft beer people have told their kids when you're in college, you should be drinking the cheap beer. That's a fair point. Yeah, you should be drinking the hams and the even though we're drinking natty beers and paying a little bit more money for them, we've instilled in our kids that it's not their time to do that yet. Like they should be drinking the cheap stuff and just having fun. So maybe that has something to play with it. When I was growing up, I was just told if you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die. That was what I was told. You will die, and you will die. Is it the same thing? But you're uh, gonna get some kind of disease, or (laughs) you will get chlamydia, and you will die. Uh, Well, okay, and and that's a very fair point, though, too, right? You know, younger people are not in the same economic bracket that people older are. They can spend that more discretionary money uh, elsewhere. You know, they can go to the bar, they can go to the brewery, they can go to their local spot. And that makes perfect sense to me. And then even now, younger generations are at a more of a disadvantage uh, just because of the economic situation that they've been born into. Um, They're not able to do that. And also, uh, so I also coach, uh, I do a lot of personal training at a a local gym here. And uh, a lot of younger people, they just don't drink. And that actually goes into a second article that I found about uh, how brands are addressing addressing non-alcoholic biggest barriers. Uh, there's a big movement in NA beers, athletic brewing company. Look at them, right? And they're crushing it right now. Uh, and there's even other companies out there making uh, non-alcoholic spirits, which I personally don't see a point in for me, uh, but I'm sure that's someone else's jam, right? Making mocktails and whatnot. That's a whole market that, out there as well. Um, host this is, Rob was a big, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, was a big mocktail guy. Ken, you could probably tell us better what he used to drink, but that was his jam up until he left the show. He he was making some like old fashions and, and random drinks with some of that spirit lists and, mm-hmm. um, Kentucky 73, I think it was called. So yeah, like I've, I've made plenty of, uh, seven and seven type drinks like ginger ale or sorry, seven up and whiskey or ginger ale and whiskey mm-hmm. with the spiritless. So I, I personally, I never had any issues with uh spiritless NA. Like it's always been a, an extra thing, but mm-hmm. those beverages are meant to be mixed. Like they're not meant to be made uh, neat. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not supposed to be a culinary experience all on their own. They're supposed to be an adjunct, a mix-in, like you said. And um, I'm not saying that market is going to swing that way violently. Why are they but... still saving dollars then? <laughs> Probably because they can't, I don't know, maybe they can't make it in bulk like, or they haven't had that chance to make it uh, at scale uh, that other that, companies but can. I but that's a great question. $60 for a spiritless gin. When, yeah. When I can just buy the gin for 40 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, different goals though, too, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, why why am I buying spiritless vodka for a whole bunch of money when I can get five o'clock for 
like seven ninety nine. Like, let's think about that. I, th- I think it's it's all flavor based. Like, if if you're not getting a good flavor out of it, then you shouldn't be drinking it. But a lot of these spiritless cocktails are giving you the flavor of whiskey, of gin, of vodka without the, the, the butt doesn't give a good flavor. That's Absolutely not. Yes, yes, I am saying that. <laughs> I can't. Well, let's I, just put it out there. If they want me to try it, they can send us some, and I will be more than happy to give them my opinion live on. Thanks. It. Yeah, good point. Spiritless, if you're listening, uh, Better on Draft is looking to try your stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a shout out. Yeah, because there's times when I do want to have a drink, but I don't want the alcohol. So, yeah. So, I mean, and just like in our last episode, we were talking about music and how it evolves, right? So drinking tastes evolve, culture evolves and seeing how some people and being inclusive is a big, important thing, you know, especially these small breweries, you know, see a lot of LGBTQ plus owned breweries, women owned breweries, and you're starting to see it expand out of the manosphere, so to speak. Right. Um, and then they're also wanting to include people that don't drink or like, are the designated drivers or something along those lines. And if more breweries are starting to make more non-alcoholic beers uh, to cater to that crowd, I don't see a problem with that at all. I think that's really awesome to include people on that. It is interesting to see how these articles are phrasing it. Like, oh, they're cutting into beer sales. Like, well, beers, breweries can pivot too and should if they want to stick around. Oh, 100%. So it's funny you bring up the non-alcoholic. A lot of breweries have to contract that out, if I understand correctly. We've Ooh. talked to a lot of breweries where they, they don't have the de-alcohol, de-alcoholizing oh. equipment to do it. Um, so that does make it difficult. But I'll tell you this, you know, and there's still a stigma against uh, non-alcoholic beer. I was talking to someone online and they were like, "Why no one should be at the bar if they're not getting drunk. I'm like, then why do these breweries have non-alcoholic beers? They absolutely want those people there. There's just a stigma out there. Like, there's nothing wrong with going to the bar and drinking a Heineken Zero. Mm. But there's people out there that are like, if you're not getting drunk, you shouldn't be there. It's like They're just I, I as bad as the people that are yelling at you for not drinking craft beer. Say, oh, you're drinking sex in a canoe because you're drinking Budweiser. Like, Yeah. like, uh, Well, that's an opinion. I'm glad you have it. It doesn't matter. I guarantee these bar owners are like, come on in and have your Heineken Zero. Like, yeah. And then you have these... They have these bars exploring like craft non-alcoholic options because people are buying, you know, the the macro non-alcoholic. So it's it's a good thing to see. I just wish the stigma would go away. It's it's just the the bros of beer. Like there there's too much uh what's the 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 good word for it? Um I was about to say abuse, but abuse is peer pressure. There's too much peer pressure when it comes to alcohol. I mean, how many times but talk about anything that involves alcohol aside, softball league or beer league, bowling, darts, cornhole, like all of these events, like mm-hmm. going to a, a pub trivia night. You know, there's no restaurant trivia. You got to go to a pub. You got to go to a place that serves alcohol. So there's a lot of things that revolve around beer or drinking and sometimes even um, over drinking, over indulging. And when we were talking about uh, when you were talking about, you know, as a going as a college kid, like make sure you drink the, the college kid beers, your hams, your your butt. Like even then people are a little too um, peer pressure when it comes to alcohol. And I think, Dan, you bring up the the word stigma. I think that peer pressure is the best way to it, it needs to end. Yeah. People I need to stop. And and I've I'm guilty of it. I'll be 100 percent guilty of it. I um will admit it, I should say. Um, and I think as I've grown older, I learned a little bit more uh because I would offer people drinks and I'm like, oh, why aren't you drinking? It's free. Like you should drink. It's it's free. I'm giving it to you. Like, drink, come on. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, wow, I was an asshole because I'm pushing something on someone that did not want that something. And you know, sure, hindsight's 2020, but as long as I learn from it, I think that's a good thing to to understand. Um, and that's that's where I think we need to move as a culture. And I'm gonna be honest, mm-hmm. I think the young generation's going to to push it. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're going to take it. 
I think they're going to look at the the person who's like, oh, come on, why aren't you drinking guy? Like if I was at like the Moose Lodge with a bunch of like, you know, boomers and, you know, a bunch of retired gener- people. Yeah, your uh, Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino people. The guys I'm watching salt in their beer. Yeah, the, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there drinking an NA beer, and they're like, "Oh, why are you drinking that?" And they're probably using some type of offensive language to whatever they call me. Whippersnapper. And that's the thing is, I think the younger generation is a lot better at, at like countering that. Um, I think millennials are starting to get to that point, like. I think the millennials are the first generation to start being like, well, you know, fuck them for thinking, oh, that's how they grew up. Like they need to evolve and move forward. Um, a Gen X too. Hell yeah. Um, but I I think within the, the alcohol industry, I think we just need to crush that as a collaborative. Everyone needs to, you know, stop that. Yeah, you know people, it's funny that you. Oh, go ahead, Dennis. I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna say, if people don't want that product, give them something that they want. Simply exactly. put, yeah. But you know, I was gonna make a point that it's similar to what we were talking about. People are like, "Oh, that's not craft beer anymore." You know, that it's the same people like, "Oh, you're drinking non-alcoholic." The bar, the bar owners are putting it in there. They want these people around. It's just that subset of people that are like, oh, you, you're drinking a non-alcoholic. What's wrong with you? No, that's like, knock it off. People are allowed to have a good time and not drink, which is the best part about it. You know, if you are drinking like, so much that you feel bad that other people around you aren't <laughs> drinking, yeah, you should probably not be drinking. <laughs> you can absolutely have a great time. I go out somewhere quite a bit and only drink NAs. Like, like knock it off and no one cares there that's it's not one of those places but there's a lot of people out there like just drop it like just like grow up here and here's the thing too is is i think like within my friend group even we as people don't drink or people know that that's the designated driver like that's a lot of people are making the extra effort to have the na beers to have the alternative beverages so that if you want to partake in the party quote unquote like you can still join us with your na beer or uh as cynthia puts she's a wine drinker they have na wine out there so if you're going to be drinking um you know and you want to drink your rosé but you don't want the buzz because you got to drive you want to get drunk yeah exactly 100% or if you're just not about that life which is totally fine which is yeah that's I I think Go ahead, I was Sorry. I was gonna say, Dan. I I think because we're in the world of craft beer, we deal with beer people. We deal with drink, people who drink alcohol. So it's it's not very common for us to associate within this podcast, this industry, someone who is a natural because they're recovering, because they're a um, you know, because of their religion. Um, we don't necessarily see that within this industry, but as people come into this industry because they don't drink, but they drink NAs. Um, we're going to have to be a lot more welcoming um, as we are here at better on draft, but as, as a collective, we need to be more welcoming and understand, you know, Oh, you don't drink because you're religion. Perfect. Great. Let's get you a, an athletic goal or, you know, or a Sam Adams or a Brooklyn hoppy Amber. And, and we could talk about it. And some of them don't even want that because they want nothing. That's, you know, they want zero, zero. And you, you, you can be NA at 0.5, but they don't want alcohol, period. So you got to find a they zero, zero, point zero. So, so you, one more quick thing. I know we have. An, yeah, I'm sorry. We have another article still. So no, we're, um, we're, we're cutting it after this. This is the last article. So we had someone on and God forbid, because I can't remember this. So forgive me. Um, we had a, it wasn't athletic, but someone else who didn't any brew. We, we had partake brew. on. Was it partake? Partake. Um, yep. Yeah, but they were saying, you know, they want even people who um, had previous drinking issues to be able to enjoy something like this without it having alcohol, you know, and that's something you got to think about. These guys can have, you know, a beer without it having any alcohol in it. It's a great thing. and It's more inclusive and it makes them not fall off the wagon. So it's a great thing to have out there in general. And, you know, when you're out there attacking someone. 
over not drinking this. You don't know where they're coming from. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're just enjoying a non-alcoholic beer to have a good time. Don't out, be out there be like, oh, you're not drinking beer. So, that, like, think about that for a second before you actually do that. Yeah, it, it shouldn't matter that I'm drinking a um, a Two Roots beer, uh, non-alcoholic beer, next to you while cheering on the Lions. Um, yeah, perfect like, example. I was out there Saturday afternoon before flying home. I was hanging out at GABF at the non-alcoholic section because, you know, I had to be functional to go through the airport. So I spent a lot of time <laughs> drinking the non-alcoholic beer. It's just, you know, don't get mad at someone for doing that. I think that is a good thing to end on, folks. It doesn't matter what you drink, whether it is beer, wine, like Cynthia over in YouTube. I believe she is a rosé fan, as she gave us a nice little rose. Uh, Alcohol, spiritless, non-alcoholic. Enjoy what you drink. Drink what you enjoy. And what other, other people enjoy. If they like it, it's a good beer, wine, seltzer, whatever. Well, don't yuck someone's fucking yum. Period. Yeah. Don't yuck their yum. My name is Ken. For Dennis, Dan, and Wendy, this is Better on Draft. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's Better on Draft. Have a good night. Cheers. <laughs>